I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the house And welcome. You are locked on to Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? All right. So, how are you feeling about the Mandalorian? Oh, I love the oh. Man- I love the Mandalorian. I've seen people be like, "Okay, the first three episodes were awesome. The last three episodes are terrible. They're the same thing." Like how how do you hate no, it at the beginning? Because I'm and, in this camp. How do you hate it at the beginning? And just because it, it's not Game of Thrones, right? Like they're not going to weave all uh, these. The writers, the writers is just destroyed. I'm going to mute you. I'm going to mute you. I wish I had the the around the horn just mute button. I could just mute. You. <laughs> it's not Game of Thrones where they're trying to weave all these different storylines around. It's a it's following. This one plot line, it's following the Mandalorian through... It's like a Western in space. Yes. What I don't like about it... Okay, here's my thing. I'm still watching it. I'm all in on Mando and Baby Yoda. And I hate calling him Baby Yoda because he's obviously not Yoda, but uh, still... It's just, are we sure? Okay. Are we oh, sure we he's go. not Yoda? Okay. Because he could be a clone. Clone Wars. But... <laughs> So anyway, it's, it's it's in the universe, it's in the Star Wars universe. Cloning technology exists. We saw it. Django Fett's everywhere. I do like Django. You're but a Django Fett. He's a Django Fett. I'm still watching. I'm still looking forward to every Friday watching everything. I'm just saying my interest level is going down. It's fine. And I think it's I think it's a little bit more overhyped now because the first couple episodes, yeah. Everything was flowing. There was one big storyline. And now over the past like three episodes, it is just choppy. Land on a planet. We get one we get one like new character. Cool. You're awesome. Bam. Never see you again. New planet. New thing. Bam. Never see you. Gone too soon. I it's just I I just don't now I just feel like it's a NCIS episode where it's just one single episode, one stage. You hate they're all contained. Yes, it like it, it's like a standalone episode over the past like three episodes. I just missed the overall storyline. Now, if they come back and they tie it all together somehow, cool. I'm back all in. And if they bring Boba Fett in there somewhere, uh, if you watch the end they, of the last one, I think he might show I, up. I, I, that's what I like. If they do some stuff like that, then I'm back all in. It's At not dis- a spoiler. This point. No, it's not a spoiler. It's just speculation. At this point, I'm just... We're obviously talking about Disney+. Plus. We're talking about the Star Wars show on there that a lot of people's hyping up right now. I like it. I just think it's a little overhyped right now. Oh, you think a Star Wars entity is overhyped? Wow. Where have I heard this one before? I don't know. Star Wars entities are always overhyped. Always, I like, but I'm I'm here for all the Baby Yoda content though. I love all the memes. I love the Twitter accounts. I think I follow like two or three Twitter accounts. It's just Baby Yoda stuff. <laughs> And so I'm all about Baby Yoda. I think he's hilarious. <laughs> and so what kills me is when he leaves Baby Yoda by himself. I mean, you just with the your doors life. open. You, yes. Why are you leaving the baby? <laughs> anyway, it drives me and my wife nuts. We watch it together, and she doesn't care about Star Wars at all. But as soon as Baby Yoda showed up, she's just like, "This is the most important thing in my life right now." And I looked at her. <laughs> oh, okay. So it has nothing to do with Mavericks, but I just thought of it, and we just did Locked On NBA. So if y'all want a double dose of us, you can listen. They to let us your on boys that. do Locked On NBA, so we're warmed up. Basically, is what we're trying to tell you. 
We have a lot of uh, podcasting under our belt already, so I had to tell the wife, hey, at least two hours of podcast. Okay, all right, all right. So you tell your wife you're doing an extra 30-minute podcast. However, the other night, it was either our Sunday night show or our Monday night show. We ended our Skype call one hour, 37 minutes. That's very true. There's some stuff we can't talk about on the pod, guys. Part of that is a 40-minute podcast. The rest of it is us just making fun of people. That woof. <laughs> if that ever did get released. <laughs> oh, man. On the show today, we are going to talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. We are going to talk about Chris Porzingis. They're very different entities in the Mavericks right now. And there are stats that I've been pulling up about both of them that I want to discuss with Isaac that we've been going over. And they're just, they're very interesting to me. A lot of you really held on to the Tim Hardaway Jr. stats the other day. And so I want to talk about those. We want to talk about him, his role. And then just, this is a grab bag show. It's too early to do a preview of the Detroit game. We haven't had a game in a couple days. So this is a grab bag, random topics podcast talking about. We have like three days before this Mexico game. Mavericks are on the way to Mexico City and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of, we did. If you haven't listened to yesterday's pod, we literally talked trades all day, (laughs) all day. <coughs> uh, wow. on yesterday's uh, pod and um but so, yeah, so much we looser on locked on maps than we are on locked on nba <laughs> um We're so buttoned up yeah so yesterday we talked all these different names and <laughs> all day. dallas should pursue them and i still got people like tweeting at me today and saying hey what do you think about this player i'm like we literally just talked about this let's yesterday. play this game let's play this game you got a bunch of mentions i got a bunch of mentions suggest names that were suggested to us that the mavericks should trade after we did that whole podcast yesterday well let's see my if, favorite one was no, let's hey, see if we I share any here are the ones that i got steven adams always oh 100 robert covington again that's a given. That's like once a month. Julius Randle. <laughs> we both got that one today, which was interesting. I haven't thought about Julius Randle. I had somebody tweet at me and say, hey, I think we should trade for Marcus Morris. I'm like, did you listen to the pod and you're just saying that? Or are you honestly just bringing that up to me? I don't know. I had a listener reach out and say that Marcus Morris is a ball stopper, which is very true. Very true. We'd be, we'd be kind yeah. of against him overall, but we're just throwing out names. I'm not against him overall. I want him. As a ball, he's a ball stopper. Mm. Come on, you didn't watch the two games against the Knicks. Do you? Do you? Do you want? Absolutely, he's a ball stopper on the Knicks. Who else is gonna? He was have a ball, the ball stopper on the Celtics too. That was the listener's point. Is that Bill Simmons Cel- always Celtics says that he's liked a, him though. The what? Celtics liked him though. He brought something to that team. True. I just think he would bring something. And now to his look at them; they suck without him. Just Bertans. Okay. A lot of people just are talking kidding, about Davis Bertans and stuff right now. Yeah. Something I want you guys to brainstorm, you're really good at brainstorming on Twitter and trade machine stuff, is if another team, and I, I threw out there some, I forgot the exact name I threw out there with the Kevin, oh, I threw out there Paul Millsap. Watch the Kevin Love stuff of whoever trades for Kevin Love, whether, whoever, whatever team it is, that could Dallas get in there as a third team? So, like Mike Conley in Utah, what if Utah says, I want to go after Kevin Love? And they're like, hey, we'll just let's go ahead and wash our hands clean of this Mike Conley experiment. It'd make no sense. And, but continue. But no, but that, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It, it's those type of things. And obviously, Cleveland wouldn't, wouldn't want Mike Conley. Would Dallas step in for somebody like Mike Conley with Love going to Utah and stuff like that? So it's not just, hey, Kevin Love, but some of these pieces that could go somewhere else. How can Dallas get involved with those? So yeah, brainstorm. A lot of people have been tweeting out his trade machine stuff over the past 24 hours. And I'm all about trade machines, so 
I spend hours laying in bed on trade machines. Or tradenba.com, I think. Or it's N- yeah, or nbatrade.com. It's one of the two combinations. So, sorry if you get I send, porn. I send a lot. Of, <laughs> it's not the right one. I send a lot of trades to Nick and uh, just at random hours at, at night and wait until the next day for him to shoot down my dreams. <laughs> we're we're on very different like sleep patterns and so he'll tweet most of our tweets are just un unsolicited and un uh, <laughs> Text. Stuff that we don't respond. I'll send him a stat. He won't respond. He'll send me a trade, and I won't respond. That's basically how it goes. That's All right. probably what it is. Yeah. Coming up, let's get into stats about Tim Hardaway Jr. Let's talk about him and the incredible transformation that he's gone under. I mean, just completely night and day. He did the Cinderella thing where he you know, had a fairy godmother and turned into an incredible basketball player now that he's in the starting lineup. So let's talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. All right, Isaac, I posted this the other day. Tim Hardaway Jr. as a starter. All right, let's start with off the bench. Tim Hardaway Jr., he started the season off the bench. Played 13 games. If you remember, Seth Curry went down with an injury, and Tim Hardaway Jr. replaced him. So the first 13 games, Tim Hardaway Jr. averaged 10 points a game, played just about 22 minutes. He shot 34% from the field. Not from three, from the field. 29% from three, and just 73% from the free throw line. Not great overall. Inefficient scorer, basically, off the bench. Then, he takes over for Seth Curry when he went out with an injury. He's playing next to Luka. 10 games as a starter. He's averaging 17 points, playing just about 28 minutes, shooting 54% from the field, 47.8% from three. My guy as a starter is shooting almost 50% from three, and then 91% from the free throw line. He's a 50-40-90 shooter. Averaging 17 points a game as a starter. Is this the Tim Hardaway Jr. that we're going to get for the rest of the season? Or is he he just having a really good hot streak right now? Man, that's the question. I mean, yeah. I mean, you understand questions of, all right, this is who Tim Hardaway is. You also get questions of, man, should they try to trade him now with the value being so high? And he's playing the best basketball uh, that he can play right now. And, you know, we threw out there – when we were just talking about roles at the beginning of the season and not saying nowhere near my comparing these two players, but it's just the role, the Clay Thompson role. And when you look at the offense at Luca and Porzingis and Clay Thompson's similar role in golden state of catch and shoot, play defense, be effective and be efficient, all that stuff. That's the role that Tim Hardaway is playing right now on this team. When you look at his shot attempts over the past couple of years, he going back to 2017-18, it was fi- he shot it 15 times a game. 2018-19, shot it 15 times a game. And you look at this season, 19-20, he's only shooting it 10 times a game. But man, look at his percentages. He's shooting a high, higher field goal percent, the highest field goal percentage of his career since 2016-17. He's shooting 38% from three, which is the highest three-point percentage of his career. I mean, he came into the league in 2013. So he's he's more efficient on less shots. Like this is exactly what we wanted from him, right? I mean, we didn't want him to shoot at 15, 16 times a game. He's hovering around that 10 mark. He's hovering around three-point attempts a game. He's shooting six a game. The past three seasons, he shot seven a game. He's being re- he's really efficient right now. He's averaging 13 points a game. He's the third leading scorer on the team. Would you have he's, – he's only, what, three points per game away from Porzingis right now, I think? Yeah, what I tweeted out the other day that um, during this 10-2 and two run that the Mavericks have had, here's their averages – Chris Porzing is second leading scorer, 14.7 points a game. Tim Hardaway Jr. over this 10-2 and two run, so this is more than when he was just a starter, 14.6 points 
points a game. Literally 0.1 points separates those two as the second leading scorer on the Mavericks. And I'm just going to be honest with you. If you told me over the course of a 12-game span that Dallas would go 10-2 and two, and Tim Hardaway Jr. was their second leading scorer, I would have said you're crazy. At the beginning of the season. I would have said would against, say against whom? 10-2 and two against whom? <laughs> or if someone said, hey, uh, over a 12-game span, Tim Hardaway is going to be your second leading scorer what would your you know prediction of your record would have been? Well, remember the the question we did all off season was: Would you rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. averaging closer to eight points a game or eighteen? And fourteen is like right in the middle. <laughs> I was gonna say right now he's at thirteen point two, so uh, right he's in the middle, closer. Yeah, splitting I mean, the difference. Well, yeah, that's true. He's splitting the difference, but yeah, you can't praise him enough right now. He's on an incredible streak. The question of whether. Um, Will he keep it up or not? That's, I mean, that's definitely a question that you, it's just impossible to answer right now. And I mean, his fit in that starting unit with Luca and them, he looks like he solidified that spot. It doesn't look like Seth Curry's taking that spot anytime How about soon. That? But how about that? Remember, it was supposed to be, well, Seth Curry, he can't lose his job to injury. That was from Rick Carlisle. And then apparently he did. Yeah. And, you know, something that we briefly talked about before the pod, but a media member the other night asked me, and I don't know if they were just joking around or not, but they asked me, they said, do you think Tim Hardaway opts out of his contract and doesn't or doesn't pick up the player option? Basically, that's the correct wording of it. And elects for a a Harrison Barnes type of thing and goes for like a longer term contract uh, with like a little less money or something like that. Do you think that there's a possibility of that? And and honestly, I never thought in a million years we'd ever get to that because I've just viewed that. And like most people was saying, hey, he's just going to pick up that 20 million. And he probably still will. But if he continues this streak and continues playing at this high level, is there a chance he doesn't pick it up? Man, if he plays like this, I mean, 17 points, 50, 40, 90, that, those are insane numbers that he won't keep up because no one does. I mean, no one shoots that well from three. But if he keeps it up, the idea that he would do a Harrison Barnes-type thing where he turns it down, because everyone thought Harrison Barnes would pick that up. And then he goes to the Kings and he turns it down and gets a longer deal. And some people even said that was crazy. He's turning down money. But it happens. And you have to think that you know, people say, like, oh, you know, remember Magic Johnson got all these guys paid. And, you know, like, LeBron's going to get all these guys paid. Luka's going to get guys paid, too. And maybe it starts with Tim Hardaway Jr. Honestly, that could be a thing. You could see players across the league, role players like Hardaway, especially players that maybe are still looking to break out in their career. Or they haven't hit that spot yet. You look at somebody, like, when somebody tweeted at us uh, earlier today about the Julius Randle thing, and they said, what about Frank Nelikina too? And, and you think of just a, a guy like Nelikina who hasn't really bursted onto the scene, uh, a guy who could hit free agency sooner than maybe what he expected. You know, if, if somebody like that, who hasn't really hit, like a Malik Monk or something like that, and they're looking around at different teams in the league, and they look at Dallas, and if Dallas is interested in somebody like that, and they're saying, you know what, this could be a situation I could go to, look at somebody like a Tim Hardaway, insert whoever, that I could go there and play alongside Luka and really kind of enter that next phase of my career and hit my true potential playing alongside Luka. I think it could be appealing for some players like that. So Tim Hardaway Jr. right now, um, he's not going to lose the starter spot. And honestly, you've listened. if you've listened to us consistently, you know that we were really hard on Tim Hardaway Jr. But over this stretch, I have no complaints. <laughs> I have none over his shot selection, over what he's doing. I feel like he's really, like, 
he's really gotten into his role. I feel like it's massive for him to settle into this role, to figure out exactly how he was going to play. But the thing is, he's shooting incredibly well, no matter like what he's doing. Last year, playing next to, to Luka, um, he shot 31% on catch-and-shoot threes in 19 games for the Mavs last year. Right now, as a starter, catch-and-shoot threes, he's shooting 47%. Uh, and then off the bench, he's shooting 32. It's Something has just unlocked Tim Hardaway Jr. Maybe his dad has been secretly at every single game, and we, we haven't been able to see him. Um, but, man, I, I don't have any complaints about Tim Hardaway Jr. Do you? No, and, not at all. I was looking at some of his synergy numbers, and right now in synergy, he has an excellent rating on spot-up shots. 32% of his offensive possessions are on spot-up shots. 88 possessions, he's scoring at a 1.386 points per possession. That's a 96 percentile. That's amazing. That, that's the, that's that, the highest, almost the highest you can get. That's, I mean, and it's exactly what you want for somebody like him. When you look at some of his uh, some of his shot attempts, as far as guarded and unguarded, this is this is incredible too. Guarded shots, fifty-two percent of his of his catch and shoot shots are guarded, and fifty-five possessions of those he's at an excellent rating, 90, 91st percentile, one point three points per possession. Unguarded is very good. It's a little bit less than excellent yeah, as far highest. as this guy. Yeah, second highest, and he's scoring at one point three points per possession at fifty fifty possessions of that. So, a lot of times when you look at these synergy numbers at catch and shoots, it's obvious. I mean. It's it's not you know nuclear science here. Unguarded shots for most players are normally a lot higher, and it's normally like a very good or an excellent rating for some of these great shooters. And then guarded, they all go down. For Tim Hardaway, they're both really good, and just shows you. And something that's more that is kind of impressive for me, if you really think about it, for a guy like him, and we wanted him to be really a, a lot more efficient this year and not be the Wesley Matthews of forcing it and all that stuff. And you would think in his mind that you would, if you're him and you see the second star, quote, star on the team, Porzingis struggling like that, it would be even more of a reason for somebody like him to force more than what he is right now. It would be, if I was him and, and I play like him, I would look at him and be like, all right, well, Porzingis is struggling right now. It's my turn. I need to step THJ up and be the second time. option. Yeah, and I, and I, it would be more you know, forcing the shots and him just trying to be that second star, but he's not. And I think that has been that's been really impressive for me to see him be contained and be efficient despite seeing Porzingis struggle the way he is too. And that, uh, yeah, we can't praise Tim Hardaway enough over these past three weeks. I am worried. I do have some worries though. I have not. I have no complaints, but I do have worries. I don't think that this three point percentage is going to last. Um, I think that it's going to regress because his career he hasn't been a good catch and shoot three point shooter. Now maybe. You know, he's played for, I think it was one bad Hawks team and one mediocre Hawks team, and then two obviously bad Knicks teams. But I don't think he's going to shoot 47% from catch and shoot three the rest of the season. If he does, I mean, hey, power to him. That, that'd be an elite level. But I don't think you go from way below average to elite in just one season, right? Like, th- this is what I'm concerned about. What is, what is Tim Hardaway Jr. going to be when that number comes back down to earth a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that's the question. Can he keep it up? We don't know. I, I think your, uh, if you want to stay on the positive side of it, is you look at it and say, well, I don't think he's ever played with Luka Doncic before. Uh, you know, he did for 19 games last year, and he shot 31 percent from three. But he wasn't healthy. 
That's also true. That That's something I don't think about enough. Remember at the end of the season, he was talking about he didn't know what surgery he was going to have? That's one of the most wild things I've heard an NBA player say. I'm having surgery next week. I don't know what it's called or what it's on. Or Yeah, somebody asked him exactly what the surgery was, and he's like, I really don't know it. But, no, I mean, you talk to the team, you talk to Tim Hardaway, they're, everyone was really consistent of from the moment they traded for him last year and for him finishing out the season, he wasn't healthy at all. And then he, he went and had that leg surgery over the off season and he came into the season and he was very adamant on, on media day that I am healthy right now. I'm hundred percent. I'm good to go. And you've seen a different Tim Hardaway. So I will, I'll give him the benefit of doubt with that, that he wasn't healthy last year. So then he comes in and starts the season. He shoots 32% from on catch and shoot threes when he comes off the bench, off the bench. Yeah. And it kind of goes into that that Seth Curry conversation that we had a couple years ago when Seth Curry really he he preferred starting at that time. I don't know what it is now. I haven't talked to him or anything like that, but he made it very clear that he preferred starting. He liked the the groove of being a starter and starting a game on the court and all that stuff. Not every player can adapt to coming off the bench. There is an art to that. The Lou Williams, the Monte Ginobili's of the world, and for Tim Hardaway, for some people it suits them better. They like coming off the bench. For some people, they don't. And for Tim Hardaway, right now in this situation, it looks like starting, he he just plays better right now with that. And so, yeah, for some for some for some players, it's easier to make the transition to the bench. But for Tim Hardaway, I mean, you've laid out the numbers, you've tweeted out the numbers and everything. Him as a starter is night and day different than him as a reserve in Dallas. It's pretty crazy. I don't know what to think about it um, because I just don't know how – long it's going to sustain but hey we'll take it as long as it does right like i'll i'll definitely i don't think that we're we were wrong about tim hardaway jr he's he's just doing something we've never seen him do right well yeah yeah well, yeah well i mean when we criticized him we were criticizing for his play at the time but i mean this was on paper this is the type of play you want alongside luca and kp you want a guy who can shoot the basketball a catch and shoot you know shooter um he's he's a he's a i think where he surprised me is his defense. I didn't know he was this yeah. good of a defender. Uh, just being able to watch him more now, I th- he's, he's impressed me on the defensive end. And no matter how you look at it, it's good. I mean, it's great all around right now for Hardaway stuff. If you're in the camp of, man, I'm all in on Tim Hardaway, they should re-sign him uh, to long-term extension this summer or whatever it is, he should be the third piece. If you're in that camp, sure, he's playing great right now. If you're in the camp of, Man, they should trade Tim Hardaway. Then you're doing fine too because he's playing great. He's up and you know at at the beginning people kind of viewed Tim Hardaway of man. I mean he was the he was the price you had to pay for the most part along yeah. with Picks and Dennis for taking on Porzingis. And now he's playing really really well. So he's not dead weight money. He's not a Chandler Parsons. So he's upped his trade value. I think right now there there could be some trades across the league that they could put him in and get something you know however you want to say with that, but no matter what you what camp you're in, as far as how you feel about Tim Hardaway, you're feeling good right now. Absolutely. All right, coming up, let's have another conversation about Porzingis because there's some numbers that I want to talk about. Uh, Porzingis has played a lot better with Luca over these last, you know, over this last stretch. Obviously, the Mavericks as a whole have played a lot better, but let's talk about Porzingis, his role in the team, and what we've seen from him so far this season. All right, Isaac. So here's another stat I tweeted out the other day. Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis net rating, which is the difference between offensive rating and defensive rating, which is basically just points scored per 100 possessions and points allowed scored per 100 possessions. 
So basically how they're playing on the floor, the difference between the points they're allowing and the points that they're scoring. First 11 games together, a negative 5.7 net rating in 282 minutes. So they're playing negative 5.7. They're getting outscored by almost six points per 100 possessions when they were playing the first 11 games. In their last 11 games, so part of that is the uh, the 10-2 to 2 run, plus 16.1 net rating in 294 minutes. So just about the same number of minutes, about 12 minutes difference, but they're almost 20 points per 100 possessions better. Together, when they share the court, when they're both on the court together, that stuck, that stuck out to me so much, and that's that's wild to me. That is crazy, and, and it's just a, a testament of it's just going to take time. And anytime you have two star players, and for the most part, nine out of ten times, you're gonna have it's going to take time. And both of these guys are young. Both of these guys, I mean, from the combination of Luca being 20 years old, this is in his second season in the league, and then you add in Porzingis, who hasn't played basketball in 20 months not only do you have to get him back to where he used to be or even better than he used to be, but you also have to figure out his pairing with his other co-star and Luka Doncic, then that's two big things you have that's going to take time, no matter how good of a pairing on court or on paper you think it's going to be. It's going to take time. And it looks like they've been playing better. Those on-off numbers are pretty incredible when you look at them. Yeah, it's wild the difference between the two, how starkly different they are between the... The first 11 games and the last 11 games. So, But then I looked at Porzingis' individual numbers. This is just him overall, not just with Luka on the court. But through the first 11 games, he was averaging 32 minutes a game. The, la- the last 11 games, about 28 minutes a game. So a lot of those are blowouts. He wasn't playing as much. We had those two sets of back-to-backs where he played like 19 minutes in the first game. He's averaging four less points per game. So four less minutes per game, four less points per game. Uh, his rebounds are exactly the same, so he's rebounding at a at a higher percentage over these last eleven games. I was trying to look at how has Porzingis improved with the Luca pairing. Like, how, what is he doing differently? How is this this pairing so much better? He's shooting a little less. He took four less shots per game over the last eleven games than the first eleven games. So he's kind of deferring more. The percentage of threes that he's taking is a lot higher compared to the number of of field goal attempts he was taking. So he's taking more threes than twos, basically, over these last 11 games. And so it feels like, to me, Porzingis has settled into his role and he's deferring more to, to Luka, which is not necessarily something I I want him to do at this point. It's it's turning into wins, right? It's turning into wins. They're a lot better. I just read their net rating. <laughs> they're, they're outscoring teams by 16 points. But we need Porzingis to become all-star Porzingis for this team to reach its highest level, I think. And so I wonder if part of this, him deferring, is maybe a detriment. Yeah, and you know, it. right now it's not getting a ton of uh, media coverage as far as him struggling. Not a ton. Oh, we're here. Some, we're here on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely here. But it's kind, of, it's kind of similar to the Jokic weight stuff or the Ben Simmons jump shot or something like that that we were talking about on Locked on NBA. But if the Mavericks go on, let's say, let's say over the next like eight to ten games, they lose five of them, and they dip in the standings. They dip to like seventh, eighth, ninth in the standings, something like that, and they, they kind of slide back some. You know what's going to be the top storyline for a lot of people out there? 
what is happening to Christoph Porzingis? Will he ever get back to where he's? If that you listen to us, thing. if you listen to us on Locked On NBA, we talked about this. It's the low hanging fruit. We talked about Denver and Philadelphia. As soon as Denver yeah. starts playing bad, it's like, oh, Jokic needs to get in shape. As soon as Philadelphia starts playing bad, you hear Ben Simmons needs to hit a jump shot or get a jump shot. With the Mavs, I think you're right. It's going to be Porzingis. He's gonna he's gonna be the target of that, and we've said that we've said this over the past couple of weeks. You have to just keep. Somebody tweeted at us, and it was a question with the mailbag of how long do you preach patience? You got to preach it all year, and you have no choice at this point. And for the Mavericks, they're playing so well. We've talked about this over and over again. If it takes the whole regular season, it takes the whole regular season. Yeah, but you have to have him at that near that top level for him come playoff time because that's when the stars matter. That's when it's more of a half-court game. That's when rotations get slimmed down some. That's when he's going to be expected to play 35, 40 minutes a game with Luka, and he's going to have to be the co-star to Luka Doncic if they want to make it deep in the playoffs. That was my thing all summer is I don't care. I don't really care what the Mavericks record is. This whole season should be about Luca and Porzingis working on their chemistry, working on getting better as a duo. And I'm not sure they've done that, even though their net rating says that they're better. That doesn't mean that those two are, are playing better together, you know, in, in synergy with each other. Uh, the team is doing well around them, and, the, and Luca is obviously doing well. Porzingis is contributing. We're not saying Porzingis is absolutely crap, but on offense, he hasn't been that great. Uh, but those two playing off of each other and playing together and Porzingis getting his own shot – those are the things I feel like the Mavericks really need to get in order to become the fullest potential of a team that we're really excited about and a team that could actually go far and, and win, a t- win a title. That's, all, that's what this all th- whole thing is about. Rings culture with the Z. Yeah, and it's encur- <laughs> with the Z. Um, it's encouraging because you do see the other parts of his game. I mean, you look at his rebounding. He's averaging 8.7 rebounds right now. It's the highest of his career. Uh, that last season before he got hurt, he's averaging 6.6 a game. He's never been a he's, huge rebounder. And and he's still standing out on the three-point line a lot, right? Remember that it used to be a thing for jump shooting big men? Like, oh, well, they don't rebound that well because they're always standing out on the perimeter. That's true for Porzingis. Like, he does stand out on the perimeter. So eight rebounds to him, he's not getting – those extra what two or four defensive rebounds a game because or offensive rebounds a game he's standing out on the perimeter you know trying to shoot threes yeah and and the reason he's standing out there because he's a threat and because of that threat it, it opens up the paint and it gives Luca more room to operate and the, he affects the floor in all these different areas, even when he's not shooting. I mean, he's averaging two blocks a game. Even on top of that, the shots that he doesn't block, he's impacting the paint. He's the rim presence. He's affecting shots in the paint. People know that he's a great help side uh, or weak side you know, shot blocker. He's going to be coming at some point. So it alter- he alters shots. Um, he's rebounding basketball, like I said, and just his ability to stretch the floor when they put him at the five or even at the four. Sometimes when he's at the four and Dwight's at the five and Dwight's rolling to the rim, being able to have Porzingis out on the wing or in the corner, it, it allows him, and that other big, he can't come in and help because if he helps, then Porzingis has the shot. So he he's affecting the game in these different areas. And that's super encouraging. It's just you're still waiting for the offense side, and you're still waiting for the shot. The shot's the big, the thing that's surprised me the most because 
yeah, I thought he would just be knocking him down all the time. And it, the shot still looks good. He's getting a lot of good looks. They just haven't been going down. And wh- whenever that starts, hopefully it's soon or whether it's midseason, all-star break, I don't even care if it's a spring. As long as it starts but sometime before the playoffs or and during the playoffs, then that's what matters the most because that's when they're going to need him the most come playoff time. Absolutely. So something to look out for. That's something we should be watching every single game. Luca and Porzingis together. Guys, if you haven't, go listen to us on Locked on NBA. The two of us just hashing it out on all the other NBA teams. We, uh, Here, let's tease it this way. Isaac made a Ben Simmons joke that I didn't even catch. See if you can go catch it on Locked on NBA. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.